You're here, which means that you've found spirit crumbs, leading you to your inner light worker. I will be sharing how these tiny little hints from the universe have led me to where I am today. I hope that by hearing my story and the stories of others, you'll pick up your own spirit crumbs along the way that will lead you to somewhere magical. Thanks for coming along for the journey. Let's see where it takes us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spirit Crumbs. I am your host, Andrea McCallum. I am an Oracle card reader and a quantum Reiki energy healer. And I'm very excited to continue the series on the Celestine Prophecy. Today, we are talking about the sixth insight, which is called Clearing the Past. And as I hinted at last time, this is a really deep one. And I think this is going to be a long episode just because there are so many things that this really talks about in this insight. And it's interesting because it, it does, as they all do, connect to the past ones. And where this picks up from for me is with the a matter of energy and the struggle for power. It's kind of a little bit of a mix of those two because it talks about how in order for us to stay connected to this source of energy, we can like when we're connecting and consciously um, filling ourselves up in order to stay maintaining contact with that, we need to identify and overcome our particular way that we control others or take energy from others. Um, that's what disconnects us because this energy, we have to realize we have a direct connection to the source, right? Which is something that a lot of spiritual beliefs, um, refer to as well. And the idea that when we choose to take energy from other people, we can only have one source for the energy, right? And so like, if we're like, no, thank you, we unplug ourselves from this like natural, beautiful way of getting energy in order just to just like take some away from someone else. So when you look at it in that way, it seems crazy that we do that. But just as a human, that's what we're programmed to. Like this actually is really like fascinating to me, this um, inside, I think a lot of you will connect to it right now, just because in the past year, there's been such a focus on like energy work, um, past lives, inner child work, um, reparenting ourselves. There's been so much talk of this and it really, really is embedded in this uh, clearing the past. And the fact that we do have a choice that we don't all realize because we weren't taught that, that we can get our energy right from the source. I know in some religions, they talk about, you know, going right to God or, you know, through prayer or through going to church, but there's not this sense of like an inner connection that we can just access our own, right? That we have like within ourselves. So Obviously, this is not an easy thing to do to stop taking energy from others when we're literally taught from being from children to do that um, because it's an unconscious behavior, right? It's not something we we're actively going around like, I'm going to go steal energy from this person. But 
what they talk about in this um, chapter, which I find really interesting, is that they say that the only way to let it go is to bring it to consciousness, which is exactly what shadow work is, right? It's, it's there. Everything is a part of us. It's just a matter of pulling it into the light and looking at it and being like, oh, that's what it is. Like seeing it for what it is and being okay with that and just saying, this is where I learned that. And that's where we start to identify, like, where did this come from? How long has it been here? Who put it there, right? It's like cleaning out like an attic of a house where like generations have lived there. You're going to go up there and you're going to be like, who the hell left this crap up here? <laughs> like, whose weird love letters are these? And like, who made these rules that are like written up here, right? And I think that's like the imagery that comes to my mind is the fact that like this can be generational and that even when it's the same with like when you do inner child work, the idea is not to blame your parents or caregivers or whatever. It's the fact that like they had the, they have to go through the same process because their parents were brought up a certain way and had certain programming. And so the idea is still going within, going within yourself, not going and taking energy from your parents and like, you know, starting drama with them because what they call it actually in this book is your particular, um, I guess like programming is called an unconscious control drama. And this is in childhood, the way that we learn to get attention and bring energy our way, um, based on our circumstances and who we are around and who we're trying to get the energy from because you learn this based on how you get energy from like your parents primarily so when your parents your parents behave a certain way you have to learn based on that how to get their attention back and so this what they say is like that's what stops our progress from moving forward and connecting to the coincidences when whenever we drag ourselves back into this, these patterns, right? When we could bypass them and not, I don't mean spiritual bypassing and not addressing them. It's just seeing them when they come up. I know we talk about this in different areas, different conversations I've had with people uh, in like the spiritual world where we talk about like just the awareness, like we were saying, like bringing it into light and being aware of it. So it doesn't mean it's going to go away overnight you're still going to have tendencies for these things to come up, but it's just like when they come up after you've already seen them, you're not going to forget that you've already looked at this. Like once you're doing the shadow work, I'm sure anybody who's been doing that over the last year, especially in 2020, you know, the patterns when they come up now. Right. And so you just have to choose a different way of addressing them. And so in this insight, these unconscious control dramas, it talks about how there's a spectrum from like aggressive to passive. And so you have to kind of identify because you'll probably have a mix based on like what your parents were like, um, and like how hard it was or how easy it was to get energy from them and attention. And there's like, so there's four different types, I would say, or like roles. And then they're in two pairs. So like there's two pairs of two. And so the first one is called the interrogator. 
And so this is the more aggressive in the pair. And the interrogator is always asking questions, um, probing, they say, um, and just that's how they're interacting. And because this is aggressive because they're doing this in order to find something wrong so that they can criticize the other person. So whether this, again, these are unconscious. It's not that people are necessarily intentionally doing this, but this is how they've learned to get a reaction or to get energy or to get a response from the other person, right? So it's it's a way to have the other person get self-conscious and then defer to you and like you can drain then drain the energy from them so this can work in two ways this can be the parent so let's say this is the parent that's always like interrogating the child then the pair to the interrogator is to be aloof and how this works is that the aloof person is then going to avoid the interrogation and criticism and how do you do that well you just avoid having to give any direct specific answers so the interrogator also is going to be able to get energy from you as long as you're giving them the answers they want right so if the person is like hey i really want to avoid these interrogations they're just going to really become aloof and give vague ambiguous answers and in the other way around then when the aloof child needs attention from the interrogator they will sometimes intentionally be aloof and just come in with very vague answers if they want the parent to ask questions so if the kid has like a really bad day from school, they may come in and really not say hi. They might just go sit by themselves or, you know, if they usually say, oh, I had a test today, it was fine sort of thing. They may give no answer to the parent. If the parent's like, oh, like how was school today? They might just say, oh, you know, it was a day, you know, you know, like be very vague so that the parent then, you know, being interrogator, that's like, bringing out that part of them that just wants to ask questions and know what is happening, right? And so if you do want to talk or get attention, being super aloof and maybe not coming over, maybe going to another room is a way to draw the attention towards you. And so they work in a pair, right? So the interrogator, you know, can also then still get may push you to the point where you're still going to give the energy back to them or it may turn into a situation where there's criticism but if it's if it's a situation where you know you have something exciting to share and you just can't get the interrogator's attention um that may be what happens is you kind of like pull yourself away so they have to come to you and like pull the inf information from you and so that's the first pair and then the second pair um, has a more obvious aggressive and passive um, side because the aggressive side is the intimidator. And so they are the actual aggressive where they, it may be verbal or it may be physical. Usually it's verbal and it's like striking fear into the child. 
um, forcing them to listen to you, you know, forcing attention, forcing them to pay attention, threatening physical violence, perhaps, um, you know, you're in a situation where it's that like my way or the highway kind of parenting where it's like, if you don't do what I say, you're going to get the strap, you know, or like, just wait till we get home, that kind of intimidation. And what happens is, although I think a lot of parents, like I'm just reflecting because I like have heard of people who have this upbringing and what happens is either you, and what happens in general, I meant to say, even with the other pairing is that you tend to only know how to act out this drama. So this same drama gets passed to your children. So like when they say the cycle of violence, if someone grows up with an intimidator, um, what happens is then the child will either become another intimidator because they see that's how to um, parent and get that energy from a child or from another person. They may just be another intimidator or the opposite. The passive side of it is the poor me. So the way the poor me works is like if you have a really aggressive person who is threatening you with violence or being violent or being verbally abusive, the only real way to get them to stop is to make them feel guilt or feel sorry for you. Because if you act aloof, they're just going to come over and find you, right? If you start asking them questions, it's going to make them mad, right? Like there's the only way really is to like make them realize what they're doing to you by like either crying or like making them feel guilty, explaining it, and then the person realizing what they're doing and temporarily giving attention to you um, and giving energy back. So this one is a very difficult cycle because then even though some parents, they think, oh, by being tough on the kids, they're going to learn how to be tough, but that might not happen. It depends on that child's personality because they may then go to the poor me where that could be those people where they're always trying to make you feel bad for them they're always just stuck in that drama because that's the only way they know how to get attention at home so they may want people to feel bad or they may they may like trick people into helping them by being like oh, like, I'm not going to be able to do this myself. If you don't help me, then this will happen. You know, those kinds of situations. And so without realizing it, these intimidator parents may be actually doing the opposite of what they want for their children. And instead of them being like bold and confident, they may actually cause their children to lose that confidence completely and just resort to feeling helpless and being like the victim and what can happen though in either situation like the interrogator aloof or the intimidator poor me is that sometimes like anybody if you get pushed too hard even if the person is in the more passive state most of the time so like either like aloof or poor me if they get pushed to a certain point they'll act out the other side right like they'll act out as the interrogator like yelling back um you know, being really angry and forcing attention, being verbally abusive, um, or like asking a million questions back at the other person. So it is something that I'm sure like we can all look at and really analyze 
And what this talks about in the book is that like you really do have to look back at your family experience to see what your parents uh, control drama was and what yours is. And like I said, you might be, um, depending on your personality, you might be um, a combination of the passive and aggressive. So you might be like passive aggressive, like in your way of like um, having your own, because like they say, it's like overcoming your own particular way of controlling. And what might also happen is you might have one parent that's an intimidator and one parent that's an aloof, right? Where you have to ask them questions to get one parent questions to get um, information and the other parent, you might have to like play to like the poor me and like the guilt to get their attention. Um, so that they don't start their intimidator, um, action. And then your parents themselves might be a combination, right? So it is really difficult, but you can kind of sift through them. If you look at like the points of like conflict or the points where you felt you needed to get attention and what you used to do to do that, or maybe still do, um, but they talk about how once you realize that, then you have to think about why you were placed in that particular family, because there's always like a higher meaning. And like I said, you're going to be a hybrid between your parents probably. And that it's a way of like transcending this by acknowledging it. And by realizing what you're supposed to learn from it, because we're always learning something from our experience, right? And like, there's a reason we incarnated with this particular family in this lifetime at this time. And so this is a way of like integrating a higher view of your life and purpose. And like, a, as they call it, a clear awareness of your spiritual path. It shows how your life is meant to unfold. And so what can sometimes happen is you can look and say like, oh, for example, if you're looking at like your parents' spiritual beliefs and like maybe one of them was an atheist and one of them was super religious, and then you need to come somewhere in between, right? Um, it's any of those things where like whatever was really highlighted to you in like your upbringing, you might see where like you have to be a hybrid between the two because like, I believe this also relates to just in general, like ancestral healing, right? Like whatever the family patterns are from both sides, there's a reason you're at the center of those two families and those two control dramas and what you're meant to learn from that, which I find fascinating um, just because like every single human on earth is able to do this work, right? And that's where like shadow work comes in. Um, but then... Once we realize this, then that also enhances again the coincidences because then we're on the path. You're like, oh, I realize like what my purpose is. Like this is why I'm drawn to do these particular things. Like maybe like if yours is a more spiritual um, hybrid that you're trying to create, maybe that's why you're on more of a spiritual path as your purpose. Or like maybe, you know, it was more of like a, a caregiving um, situation and now you're in nursing. Like there's always like reasons for your particular spiritual path. And so the idea is that you can't transcend the past and clear it until you figure it out and see what that unique truth is, is what they say. It's like these evolutionary identities that we have where like this is what I'm bringing forward 
to heal from my family. This is my, my new truth. This is what like I'm going to do now to make sure that it's a positive outcome for these. And then this is why it's important to the collective, which I think is really an important thing to remember that if you go back to the previous um, insights, it talks about how we are all connected, right? Like we all have access to this universal energy and how there's always, like I was talking about in the last episode, there's always an individual um, connection to these, but there's also then the collective. And so each of us has this particular specific um, upbringing and purpose. And by us transmuting, like is how I see it, like alchemizing this, we are contributing to the overall level of consciousness. Because then if, let's say you choose to have children, it talks about in the book, that then they are going to be in a better place to they're still going to have something to learn and they're still going to have a path based on your own control dramas or whatever you have left of them or whatever your purpose is even if let's say you get to a point where you meet a partner you've both done a lot of this work and you're both very clear on what your path is and you choose to um, raise your children a particular way there's you're still different people and you're still going to have different paths that your children are going to see different patterns and they're still going to find their own unique way of like creating a hybrid path between the two of yours like both of yours right which i think is really cool because like the more we evolve the less difficulty the next generation has to reach their purpose and it's going to be a lot more of a positive experience if they're already learning all of these things from their parents as opposed to doing it when they're adults and they've already accumulated all of these dramas and really had them ingrained in themselves as programming um and then one of the other points that i think is really interesting like we talked about before is like with any shadow work like once you know what yours is there's no going back and then the other side of it which comes up in a later um insight but i'm just going to mention it now is that you can't really play out a drama unless you're playing out against the match to it right so like that's another just key thing to look for it's in another um insight that we'll talk about more but i just want to bring it up now because um a because i made a note of it here but also because you once you know what the different control dramas are it's like anything with like patterns or whatever like you can see it in another person when they're trying to do something so like if someone's really trying to push your buttons it's probably because they have the opposite to yours like the pair to your control drama and it's really triggering you because you grew up with that right so people will also people you know well also will learn that so if like you're a people pleaser and you're like maybe let's say like a poor me where you grew up with like an intimidator and again there's a sliding scale that might have not have been outright violent but just like you felt this fear right and so it could be that if someone else is an intimidator they recognize that you're a poor me and maybe they can just ask you or tell you to do things and you do them that's like something where once you're aware of it you can see when it's happening and choose to stay connected to source and not to engage in that way, not to um, 
not to use the same one you could then maybe be aloof and maybe like that wouldn't trigger them as much as you being like the poor me right there's a lot of things to think about it with it but I just th- want to just say that that like when you recognize what other people's dramas are it's like anything in general once you see what someone's trying to do you can't unsee it and it's the same about yourself right so like it's just this again just building on the awareness um in order to raise your own vibration and so in saying that um talking about like the healing the ancestral dna as like a more like spiritual side like me just talking about it and shadow work i just wanted to say that um i have been thinking about this stuff a lot just because I think that we all from whether it's past lives or like I said, like our family lineages of like what the stories are that are brought along, what the patterns are, what the past um, messaging is that just kind of gets encoded in you before you're even born, really. And so um, I just want to say that also Mariana, who is um, Star Aligned Alchemy, on instagram she does a lot of work with um lineage um through like mediumship and just with her like coaching she's doing also like i said cosmic parenting um but she's really very very um gifted in pulling out what those things are and seeing like the inner child in a person and I think that that's really valuable for anyone, especially if you're not really sure and you can't really pinpoint what this is for you and your family. Um, it might be a good idea to just do some research and see what kinds of um, resources are available for that. Because like we all know, like shadow work is also ongoing. It's not something that you do once and then you're done. Um, I've also been following along with the To Be Magnetic um, podcast and their work as well. Um, And that has been really helpful because they have like these um, deep imaginings, which are like hypnotic meditations that kind of walk you through different scenarios that bring up memories you maybe didn't even know were there or like roots for problems that are coming up for you. And I just wanted to offer those different resources because I know this can be a really difficult part. Like I can see where like even looking at these just from the book as like insights, I could see where like this insight is somewhere where people will get really stuck, Um, especially because like I'm in the next insight, the seventh insight, it's called engaging the flow, which is like staying in that energy, right? And like gaining energy systematically and so I just thought I'd leave it there because I think that like when you're if you're trying to do what I'm doing and I'm trying to kind of work through these um this can be a place where you can really get stuck if you're not able to bring things to your own awareness and so you may need some help um from like an outside um third party person who isn't in your family and doesn't like isn't in the drama (laughs) we'll just say it that way um so yeah i look forward to talking about engaging the flow with you in the next episode i hope you enjoyed this one thank you so much for joining me on another episode of spirit crumbs you can find me on instagram for this podcast at spirit crumbs or you can also find me at concrete and crystals for my own spiritual offerings and more tidbits about my own journey 
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.